All right. I've got the time. You're all set up. Let's take a look into the future to see what the one millionth episode of Chris's on Infinite Earths is like. Wait, aren't we ending the show in June? Well, sure, but there's always the legacy podcasters. The what? The legacy podcasters. You know, people who take on the mantle of Chris's on Infinite Earths to be in the spirit of the show. If it happens while we are alive, we can add our approval to their choices and claim they're a worthy inheritor or something like that. Huh. So you think there will be one million eventual episodes taken on by different Chris's? Well, sure. I've already looked ahead a little bit. There's the 32nd Century Chris's broadcasting on Cobbled Together CB Radio in the radioactive ruins of Cannes Appendence. Wow, really? Well, and then there's the rediscovery of magic in the 33rd century, and those Chris's record their eldritch ramblings on memory crystals. The rediscovery? I feel like you could use this technology for a lot more useful things. Nah. Anyway, it's all ready. Let's take a look. I'm Chris Fortuner. And I'm X-T. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths 10.0. The brain transmission where nothing will stay the same. Hello, Psionic Tuners. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the famed crossover, Neo-Muppets vs. Justice Itself. It's going to be scaz, Psionic Tuners. Okay, let's turn it off. Wow, I can't believe Chris's last that long. Well, there's always going to be crossovers, I guess. Even if comics don't exist, at least in their current form, I guess. Anyway, do you want to talk about them? The Neo-Muppets vs. Justice itself? Uh, no, talk about comics! Oh, yes! I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our episode covering DC One Million. Yes, this is this is a gimmick crossover. Pro- maybe the most gimmicky crossover. You think so? I don't know. What do you think is gimmickier that we've covered? I mean, we we had like um, we had a uh, uh, zero hour, which started at four and counted down. Mm-hmm. Um, for for readers who don't know, the gimmick of this is the 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 fine folks at D- DC Comics calculated what year Action Comics 1 million would come out mm-hmm. if it proceeded monthly starting when they started counting mm-hmm. and they figured out it was the um what is it the 823rd century mm-hmm. and so then they decided to make this crossover event about what superheroes would exist in the 823rd century see i think for me it was harder for it to feel gimmicky because in these four main issues we don't actually see much of what that future is like no that happens in a lot of tie-ins but oddly not every tie-in a lot of the tie-ins still take place in the present so that i mean i get kind of a gimmicky premise Mm -hmm. but the storytelling itself it didn't seem like a lot of gimmick was thrown at us so there's these four main issues dc one million one through four which all came out in one month so like one a week and then every issue that they came out with normally took like a, a a month off of their normal numbering and had a one million, like, kind of mm-hmm. standalone thing. Yeah, and that feels very gimmicky. <laughs> yeah. so, so there was Batman one million. There was Detective Comics one million. Mm-hmm. There were so many Superman titles at this point that there were like four or five of those. Mm-hmm. They had their own little mini series almost. And to be clear, we are going to be discussing the four main issues here we're not delving into the tie-ins unless chris wants to speak to them a little bit of ones that he may have read because i did not delve into these tie-ins they were not on the reading list i didn't have a checklist so i just i just did the main main reading i read probably around 30 of them which is not all of them but i did read a bunch of them um since we knew about this ahead of time Mm -hmm. um they, they wildly vary in quality and usefulness to this event, but um, where, where, where appropriate, I'll maybe bring up a little context that the tie-ins <laughs> and provide. And I'm going to bring the valuable perspective of what this story is like with no tie-ins, which <laughs> I'm going to tell you it's a valuable perspective to have on this event. The first time I read it, I read the, just this and no tie-ins. And when I reread it, read the tie-ins, and I was like, oh, this makes slightly more sense. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, like, it's not, it's not ridiculous. But anyway, are you ready to start and get into the summary? Yeah, summary. DC 1 million 1 through 4, written by Grant Morrison, penciled by Val Semex, inked by Prentice Rollins, colored by Pat Garrahy, Heroic Age and Digital Chameleon, lettered by Ken Lopez, edited by Dan Raspler and Tony Bettard. Issue 1. We get an N-Media Race prologue as the actual Angel Zario and Plastic Man aboard the JLA Watchtower rush to the view screen to find that a nuclear bomb has gone off in Montevideo, leaving over a million people dead. Anyway, we zoom back a few days as the JLA discusses how the Justice League of the Future, which is called the Justice Legion A, have arrived. The Legion explained that in the future, information processing is key, and their best way of doing so is a second son called Solaris, which was once a foe of the future Superman dynasty, before a Superman reversed the son's programming. Also, Superman Prime, our Superman, is still alive in the 823rd century and lives in the sun, but is set to leave the sun soon. There's a celebration in the future to mark his return, and the Justice Legion A want the original Justice League to come to the future to celebrate and take part in some fun challenges, while the future JLA stay in the past to make sure things go okay. Martian Manhunter also agrees to stay. Batman absolutely doesn't want to go and chats with Huntress about it. The next day, Batman finds the future Batman in his Batcave. Strangely, though, the future Batman knocks our Batman out, taking his soul out. Is this is this a bad guy? The JLA start to gather at Mount Rushmore, which is where they'll take their journey. Both supermen stop a prison riot in which Future Soups demonstrates his vast powers of ESP. Meanwhile, Jesse Quick, Arsenal, Tempest, and Supergirl attempt to stop a nuclear arms deal in which some ex-KGB agents are selling Rocket Reds, which have nuclear capability, to none other than Vandal Savage. The young heroes fight bravely, but Vandal Savage is very ready for them, incapacitating each one. Uh-oh. Back in South Dakota, the JLA, including Batman, who seems to be put into a Batman body by the future Batman, zooms to the future. Let the games begin! Uh-oh, suddenly the Hour Man of the future, who is a robot, undergoes some huge malfunctions and suddenly seems to shoot viral particulate all over the globe. Oracle alerts the Watchtower, who are caught very off guard. And in the future, on Mars, Vandal Savage toasts to their stratagem, taking fruit. Who else is helping him? Why, of course, it's Solaris, the tyrant's son. Issue two. And like that, we're back to the start of the series as Blue Beetle finds the Justice Legion A surveying the carnage as a nuclear bomb has destroyed Montevideo. Our man figures out that his time powers have been overridden and the virus he's transmitted, sent by Solaris, of course, will kill everyone in 24 hours, but not before slowly eroding everyone's mind. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, and Future Soups is slowly losing his power since he requires the light of the super sun of the future. Future Aquaman tells Martian Manhunter that there's no way the JLA is going to be able to overcome Solaris, but John, of course, believes otherwise. On the satellite, Steel frantically tries to find a way to get back to Earth to help his family, but Barda, Plastic Man, and Zoriel remind him he's of more use above building them a time machine to assist. The Atom finds Oracle and offers to shrink down to see what the Hourman virus is doing to her system. He does so, finding the mechanical virus attacking her lymphocytes. Firestorm and the Ray, assuming the Justice Legion is behind this, attacks them, and Martian Manhunter has to break it up, reminding everyone this virus makes people paranoid. Vandal Savage interrupts a call between U.S. General and the President to explain that he sent the nuke, attempting to hit D.C., but at the Hourman virus goofed with his systems. He gives an ultimatum to turn over all armed forces to him or he'll use more bombs. The Justice Legion A leaps into action as they know Vandal Savage in their time. And we zoom to Vandal Savage who is loading the captured young heroes into the Rocket Reds to kill them and deliver a nuclear payload at once. Garth, the one-time Aqualad, was in the first one, and as Arsenal swears vengeance, the other three were launched. Issue 3. In the JLA tie-in, the Justice Legion decide that unfortunately they need to build Solaris in order to defeat the Hourman virus. This is, of course, by design, as Solaris has ensured its own creation. 
Anyway, they've teamed up with the JLA members at the Watchtower to build it, but they're running out of time. Meanwhile, Batman from the future interrogates Starman after having figured out that he betrayed them to Solaris, since Starman's gravity rod is one of the only things that could power the tyrant sun. Starman reveals that there's a kryptonite fragment buried on Mars in the far future, which Solaris will use to kill Prime Superman when he emerges from the sun. Future Bats lets him keep the gravity rod, as they still need it to create Solaris. Meanwhile, Vandal Savage is on the offensive with giant tank machines known as Blitz Engines. However, Martian Manhunter absolutely wrecks them in a cool moment of triumph. The Atom figures out how to cure the Our Man virus and does so for Oracle. However, it'll take too long to synthesize a cure. Unfortunately, that means they have to make Solaris. Oh, also, Oracle gets a call from Arsenal. Wait, he's okay? Anyway, the Titans join Martian Manhunter. It turns out Garth escaped from his bomb, but blacked out and couldn't stop it from hitting Montevideo. The others are all fine, with no bombs hitting any cities. Pretty sure they were rescued in tie-ins. Anyway, Vandal Savage is defeated, but escapes, vowing utter revenge. Solaris is completed, and the Hourman virus leaves humanity, shooting towards the husk of the tyrant sun to give it intelligence. As it becomes self-aware, the star prepares to vent plasma, annihilating the star system. But Starman, having been inspired by the legacy of the Knight family who originated the Starman mantle, sacrifices himself using the gravity rod to push the mass back into Solaris, creating a black hole which sends Solaris to the endless void between galaxies. The JLA try to figure out how to help their teammates trapped in the future. Steel still has his partially finished time machine, and future Superman thinks he can maybe punch through time to get to the future. Huntress has an idea, however. Issue 4. Future Soups tries to punch through the time barrier, but each successive punch outside of his native sun depletes his energy and causes him to age. In the future, hundreds of superheroes try unsuccessfully to fight Solaris, while in the orbit of Jupiter, the JLA tries to formulate a plan using the Justice Legion's telepathic computer and strategic engine. They find out that Solaris, for some reason, has no knowledge of Green Lanterns, which they hope to use to their advantage. Vandal Savage has dug up the night fragment, the chunk of kryptonite hidden on Mars, and given it to Solaris. Previously, Vandal Savage had dealt with the immortal Resurrection Man once and for all, and as the hero writhes in pain on Mars, John Johns, who has become the entire planet, tells the immortal man that Huntress has devised a plan. John telepathically tunes in to link the JLA. The JLA forms a distraction while Kyle, who is unseen to Solaris, sneaks in. The plan is for him to use his ring to form a supernova from Solaris and then contain the energy. Kyle is nervous about this plan. Just as the supernova is triggered, future Superman arrives. Kyle is able to contain the supernova, but Solaris launches the night fragment, which hurtles towards the sun. Future Superman helps Kyle contain the blast, but it's up to our Superman to help his own future self, who is still hanging out in the sun. Superman tries to stop the kryptonite fragment while keeping a safe distance, but none of his powers seem to work and the fragment enters the sun. Everything seems to be lost, but Starman played a trick on Solaris and Vandal Savage, switching out the kryptonite for a green lantern ring, which powers up Superman Prime. Superman Prime emerges from the sun, clad fully in gold, using his newfound ring to crush Solaris. Superman Prime then uses a DNA fragment from the past to recreate Lois Lane, and then recreates the entire planet of Krypton. However, only Kyle Rayner seems to have seen this, and the entire JLA bids adieu to the Justice Legion A and returns to the past. The JLA begins to rebuild, and all seems to be well for now. And in an epilogue, Vandal Savage is transported mysteriously to Montevideo, right before the bomb hits. He was conned by a time-traveling hero known as Kronos. <gasps> Boom. Alright, Christy, what you think of this? This is this is uh this is our second Grant Morrison penned, not penned. Penned and not not penciled. Uh, I realize that penned means something in uh, in prose novels, but it seems a little confusing with comic books. Anyway, Grant Morrison scripted this. Um, this is the second Grant Morrison scripted tie-in that we have done. The first one being the JLA Wildcats one. The second event that we've done. Crossover event. You said tie-in. Yeah. Tie-in to uh, our podcast reality. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was... It was a lot. It made a little bit more sense on the second reread, but the absence of the tie-ins, there's there's tons of gaps. There's tons of unanswered questions. Firstly, you have to answer to me what happened with Batman. Oh, so the whole deal is the Batman of the future was like, this Batman's never going to go willingly. 
And so he took his soul out so he could ensure that he would absolutely go to the future. So did Batman go to the future soulless? Like, I don't understand. He is put into a body that is a clone of the future Batman that has no, like, no, like, essence. It's just like a husk. And then he goes and helps Robin the Toy Wonder, who is a robot Robin from the future, save the, save the planet Pluto, which is a massive prison planet. Which is where all the bad guys are, but they were they were they were going to do a breakout. So he he helped solve that that problem in the future with Robin, the toy wonder. Okay, I yeah I was real I was like, is Batman betraying them all? Is I don't I don't understand. And then the Batman of the future didn't seem bad for the rest of the event. And I'm like I am very confused. I think that that's probably the lowest point for me in terms of like if you're not reading the crossovers, it's it's very confusing. Yes. Like even like the the superheroes who get out of the bombs, it, if I recall correctly, that whole bit in the tie-ins like was also kind of glossed over. It was like, oh, so and so, go help them. <laughs> that, that was just kind of that. Like I I feel like the soul being taken from Batman didn't even have to happen in this main thing. It could we like Batman could have just been there. Oh, I guess Batman changed his mind, and you know Batman changing his mind could have happened in the other event because I feel mm. like that leaves us incredibly confused about future Batman's motives. It, it's, yeah. I think it's supposed to show that future Batman is so good at Batmaning that he out-Batmans Batman. But I, I understand your confusion. Right. Because he essentially says, like, oh, Huntress was right. And Huntress was just saying, we can't trust the future. Right. People. And Batman was like, well, maybe maybe we can. <laughs> and future Batman's like, no. <laughs> you can't trust you us. You sure can't. I'm like, ah, this is... Okay. Uh, okay. And I... The um, uh, Starman? Yeah. Being so in League with... Okay. Let's hit the roster real quick. Okay. So we've got a Superman. Yeah. Who is just a descendant of our Superman. Mm-hmm. But he has, like, extra powers. Yeah. He rains on people and makes them... He hypnotizes people things. with the rain. Yeah. You know, normal stuff. Um, then you've got... I don't know all the words. I don't know that song at all. <gasps> okay. Okay. <laughs> You've got the Flash, who is also not a Flash from the 823rd century, but he is from the future. He's from the future, he's... and he went to the future future from his future. Right. He's been in he's in other Flash stuff, but that's not super relevant to this. Mm-hmm. But that's why he's a little more familiar, because he, like, knows Wally. Right. Um... Then we have the Wonder Woman, who is, like, carved out of marble. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, um, they each have a planet that they watch over. Yeah, yeah. So the Flash watches over Mercury. Makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, you know, Mercury being, what? being very fast. Very, messenger. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman watches over Venus. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think Superman is supposed to be the one who watches over Earth. Mars is not watched over by any of them because John Johns is the planet Mars. <laughs> he gets fused with it. And, and I like how they're like, yeah, we don't we don't know what happens to you in the future, John. You're not. Well, he, he keeps it like a secret. Mm-hmm. Then I feel like it becomes a little bit more confusing. More confusing than John Johns being the planet. Well, Mars. I just don't, I don't know who who Starman and our man, what, what they watch after. I don't remember that being particularly clear. Right. Because Aquaman watches after Neptune, because, of course. And Batman watches after Pluto, the dark, the darkest planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's the full roster. There's no Green Lantern. Right. And, Which, and the- is that delved into? And, in, like, I don't know if you've read the Green Lantern tie-in. Like, how, how on earth does Solaris not know Green Lantern? Because um, the Green Lantern Corps doesn't exist at this point in time. Okay. Which you'd think, like, but the fact that he is now Solaris made is, now. Right. And, but it's... Um, it's whatever, but, um, (laughs) is it though? It feels like a big plot hole there, Grant. Ah, I'm going to be, I have a, I have a a hot take today. Okay. I think, I think most plot holes don't matter unless it's like ludicrous. Mm. And I don't find this particularly ludicrous. Okay. If it tells me Solaris doesn't know Green Lanterns, I'm like, cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a fun solution to the problem. I just... Well, and the, the best part about it is it uses Kyle, who is like the babiest baby of the of the JLA. He is the one who's like the most unsure. He's like the youngest member. Even Wally's like a little older, I think, or like he's been superheroing longer as a teen, whereas like Kyle's a goober. He is a goober. He's a complete 
It's a complete goof. And they're they're just all like, absolutely, you can do this, Kyle. And he's like, <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. This happens a lot. So uh, Grant Morrison and, and Howard Porter mostly draws Grant Morrison's run. This mm-hmm. was Val Semix, who I think also drew the JLA Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Howard Porter draws the tie-in. But um, every every single storyline has this sort of like big, big, big fight movie feel to it. Like all of them do. This is all like, even though this is separate, it almost just feels like another arc of the main title, mm-hmm. which always does stuff like this. Okay. Um, and a lot, there's, I feel like there's a lot of times where Kyle is like that, where he's like, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that, though. I love that Kyle is like that. I think it's great. Yeah. It, it, he's <laughs> definitely more endearing than any of the other Green Lanterns. <laughs> None of whom are in this event at all. And we're better for it. <laughs> so. What did you think of the fact that it that it had Vandal Savage? This is not your first exposure to Vandal Savage. No, we know Vandal Savage. We've seen him in other things, mm-hmm. both as smaller parts, and I've seen him in you know the TV series. Uh, oh, I forgot he was in the 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 Tomorrow yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I think it's cool that they that they were like, let's use someone who lives forever so he can be like. There, there's several characters that almost link the past and the future. And I think it's cool that Vandal Savage is one of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did enjoy that it was just like two simultaneous plots that l- seemed unrelated happening at the same time in the present. Mm-hmm. And then it being linked together in the future. I was very confused. I was like, wait, does this virus have anything to do with Vandal Savage? No, I don't think it seems to have anything to do with Vandal Savage. And I'm like, oh... Well, Vandal Savage and Solaris are, are teamed up. It it almost seems like present day Vandal Savage actually has no clue about what's happening in the future. Right. Like there's there's there was no there was no communication back and forth. Right. Which is that is kind of fun. So he's literally just do, he he literally just happened to want to do some world domination at the same time. Right. You know, coincidental world domination schemes. <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Solaris actually is penciled in for 8 to 10 world domination. You're going to have to wait. <laughs> no, but I've had this on the calendar for, <laughs> for thousands of years. Uh, I, Vandal Savage just, I'm like, he's like, I, w- I was waiting until it'd be fun enough. What? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, why didn't he do this? Like, why didn't he do caveman stuff? Like, why didn't he just like take over the caveman world? Are you pointing out plot holes, Chris? Uh, I thought they didn't matter. I, I thought the plot holes didn't matter, Chris. Well, I, I, it's not the plot of this because uh-huh. obviously that would not pertain to this plot happening mm. in the current. It's just in the current time. I'm just more curious as to why Vandal Savage is like right now, but it's, it's <laughs> because the the plot necessitates it, of course. But it is funny. There's also like the linker of that, like he drinks that wine that he doesn't even like, but it's like fancy or something, right? And then he drinks it in the future, and he's like, "I used to hate this, but now I love it." I also like that he's slightly grayer. It just takes it just takes a really long time, <laughs> real, real long time <laughs> for, for Vandal gray. Savage to salt and pepper. Yeah, um, and th- there there is a res- Resurrection Man tie-in. The Resurrection Man's powers is that when he dies, he just comes back to life, but he like occasionally gets superpowers in the process. Okay, yeah, sure. He he and Vandal Savage clash a lot because of the the sort of nature of their. Right. Their their powers in the the Resurrection Man tie-in. Vandal Savage does the g- somehow catches him in this loop where he will continuously die over and over again. Mm. But it meant it it kind of solves itself with uh with um John being like, "Hey, it's cool. I know you're constantly dying right now, but we got this." <laughs> the other hero that has like a little bit in this that does not pop up in the main title is a time-traveling superhero named Kronos. Mm. Technically, there is a prologue to this that is Kronos 1 million. Oh. And he just does some little time heists that ends up, that ends up like foreshadowing the eventual, like, oops, you got transported to Montevideo. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the, that's, but he's kind of a trickster, I feel like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. He, he, like, the heroes don't usually seem to trust him, but he sort of does good things sometimes. He's chaotic. He's chaotic. You know, fun stuff. That's Kronos. Love a chaotic time guy. (laughs) Chaotic chaotic time guy? Another name for Doctor Who. (laughs) I was going to say, that's my favorite alignment. Chaotic (laughs) time guy. 
You more of a time guy or a space guy? I'm going to start asking people that. Are you more of a time person or a space person? And just see what they say. What would you say to that question? I think I'm more of a time person. Mm. I think I, I, I like space. I don't actually know what that means, but I, I don't I don't like time. Okay. So by process of elimination, <laughs> I'm a space guy. <laughs> Christy Edelman's space guy. <laughs> it's my new comic coming out. Is that the full title? Christy Edelman, Space Guy? Yeah. Yeah. Written by Chris Edelman. It's going to be really confusing. <laughs> Who's this about? Are they related to you? Do I get a cool costume? Of course you do. Yes. It has a big bubble helmet. And you've got a little ray gun, and it's got like the concentric circles on it, and it goes... Do I get to look like Britney Spears in that toxic music video? Sure. Does she have a space outfit in the toxic music video? Wait, no. What's the one... Where? So she's a she's a uh, she's a flight flight um, a flight attendant. Uh huh. And then she's just doing What's some the one dancing. In the, where she's in the red suit and that she that's she's oops on the moon. I did it again. <gasps> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do I get to be like Britney Spears? Sure. Oops, I did it again. Sure. Mm-hmm. Thanks for helping me identify the correct song and music video. Look, that was for my look. That was prime TRL days. I know all about it. But um, I love Solaris as a concept. I love the fact that it is just an angry sun. That exists in the future and just wants to be an angry son. <laughs> this is not the last we will see of Solaris, the tyrant son. Uh, it pops up again in All-Star Superman, which is also by Grant Morrison. But All-Star Superman kind of is its own story and does not really reflect upon the rest of continuity. I know plot holes don't matter. They don't. Um, Unless they do. But... Thinking about there being two suns when we worry about global warming was a lot for my brain to. Respond. Well, it's way out, and it doesn't. Um, it doesn't produce as much light. It seems like, and it's a smaller. It's, I feel like it's a smaller sun. Mm. But like, I don't know. I, I I'm just trying to wrap my brain around the two suns. <laughs> two moons, I can do. Two suns. I mean, Jupiter is basically a failed sun. It just didn't have enough mass to become one, but it has like a lot of the same elements. There's a lot of sci-fi where like they like someone makes Jupiter into a sun because it like is like the, the it would be the logical thing to do that too. Would Solaris like change the orbits of the planets? Probably, but again, I don't think his mass is that big. Hmm. He's he's always drawn in a way where he doesn't look huge to me. He looks big, but not like sun big. Okay. I I feel like I need the stats. I need to know all of the the Solaris numbers. Okay, we will have to find uh, the Solaris trading card. I need a baseball card. You need the stats. Uh-huh. You need you need his batting average. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we got to find these things. I don't think there was ever a Solaris trading card. Someone's going to tell me that there was. They're going to say like I have one. There's a Solaris trading card. <laughs> <laughs> we need the the DC encyclopedia to give us There all the that facts. does exist. I I Sure, it does. I think I there's said several that, editions. I said that knowing that it was you out there. absolutely positive. You're like, some nerd has written this <laughs> and got paid for it. Yeah. I think DK published it. Do you remember those DK incredible cross section books? No. Oh, okay. They, they, it would have like the Titanic, and then you would see like inside it, and this is what like it looked like, and then this is what it looked like from this angle, and like, it was, uh, it was, oh, yeah, incredible cross sections. And is, that was like a brand of book mm-hmm, by oh. DK. Was was the was the the brand? They also made, I think, a Marvel and a DC encyclopedia. When the when when I did not have the internet, that was a frequent checkout from the library because otherwise I had no idea. Right? Yeah. Oh, love I those lo- books. I love thinking about just Chris pressing through the T- 10, 10 to twelve year old Chris just uh-huh. figuring out that Franklin Richards is a mutant and going, "Wow, that's so neat." <laughs> this is a fact that will never change. <laughs> it's in an encyclopedia. <sighs> Why do you hurt me so, Christy? <laughs> so, did you did you was was your was the lack of what you considered to be like continuity in the story? Did that did that ruin it for you? Was it fine? Like I love this story because I feel like it's like the 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 sort of climax of it is just so bonkers that I love it. It's like, oh, it wasn't a kryptonite, it was a green lantern ring the whole time. Oh, Superman in the future coming back as like uh as as it is so Jesus-like, it, it it almost hurts, and he remakes the planet of Krypton. Like, I loved it. I was hooting and hollering. Um, I feel like the effort it took to 
understand the plot and close the holes in my brain or like that was definitely impeded my enjoyment overall. Um, in terms of the writing of the character, Plastic Man got on my nerves. It was fun for a bit. It is. That is kind of like his purpose. Right. Yeah. Right. But like there wasn't a ton of comedy to it, which I know Grant Morrison is not like known for their comedy. Um, I think Grant Grant usually has funny bits in it, but it's not like funny throughout. Mm-hmm. Like like Flash and, and Green Lantern kind of goofed a little bit. and Yeah. But in general, it's a lot of like, like it, these stories are like driven by competency. It's like, let's see these people figure out a problem. And it's like, boom, 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 figuring the thing out. That's like oh, what a lot of these are. Mm-hmm. I've heard people describe um, at least like the first bit of the newest run of X-Men mm-hmm. as like, as like driven by competency. It's like, they're doing this, 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 save the day. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot like that. I wouldn't say it's a fun event. It's a thinking event. Oh, which I, has I, I think it's both. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't want to think. Okay, well, you know. Yeah, like, I didn't... Christy had to use a gray matter. Wasn't her favorite. I don't know. And, like, Wonder Woman hardly did anything. Like, I mean, I guess Huntress kind of did some stuff, but, like... I think think a decent critique of, of Grant Morrison, who is a beloved comics writer, is for a lot of their work, they don't always seem to know what to do with the with the female characters. I wouldn't, I don't know if that, I, I don't know, I haven't read like all of Grant's stuff, so I don't know if that's universally true, but it does, like, I would say that, that you're, that I completely agree with you. Both Wonder Women get almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Wonder Woman tie-in, if I remember right, like, wasn't great. <laughs> right. It, so. What, it, it that, that one was Wonder Woman in the future doing like her Olympic games on Venus. Mm-hmm. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And, hun- I mean, Huntress, I think, was done decently well there wasn't a lot to it and then i can't remember um who's the who's the speedster oh jesse quick jesse quick yeah and there's but, some barda you mm-hmm. get some big barda yeah Bar- barda was barda's great in like every panel that barda appears in it's just you know i don't know if that is my own attachment to the character do you like big barda a lot uh yeah I like that Big Barda is a big, strong lady, and her husband is smaller than her. I enjoy that, too. And her husband wasn't in this. It was just... No, he's not a member of the Justice League all the time, if if I remember correctly. Mr. Miracle is not. Mm -hmm. You would would maybe like the new Mr. Miracle? You might not. I don't know. But it's just about the two of them, really. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this was an, an event about the plot and not necessarily... Like, there's not really any big character development no um, other than you know you get kyle like triumphing and saving the day otherwise not a ton it, you know like the, the i think the problem with a lot of well the problem i don't know if it's a problem so much as just the way this jla run is superman is just good at things batman is just good at things that's they, they just need to be good at things they they will they will get knocked down but they will ultimately overcome by like the fact that they are skilled superheroes mm-hmm. so and you can't have like everybody be that you can't have everybody be mm-hmm. that way, but you can't have everybody necessarily be like unsure of themselves in the justice league. So it's interesting right. who gets what right. um, wonder woman is also always good at things. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a, on, on a story that is very much about its plot and less so its characters, mm-hmm. there is, fun bits to the the resolution of oh it wasn't really kryptonite look at look at this kind of like the the oceans 11 style of look at what we did when you weren't looking yeah and i could have done with more of that honestly i i liked that aspect to it this the setup is is both like all at once and like only barely hinted at and Mm -hmm. only and it it doesn't i know what you mean like it it sometimes feels like wait are we setting this up I like, I think Grant does really good comeback moments. Mm-hmm. And I think there were, there were some of those where I was like fist pumping, but I, I, I completely, I, I agree with your critiques and this is not my favorite Grant Morrison event. That will be the last thing we cover on this mm-hmm. podcast, but I don't know, it's, it's kind of fun for the gimmick. I think before I read this, I thought it was only about the superheroes in the future being in the future. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting, like, oh, it's actually about mostly about our superheroes. Mm-hmm. Kind of. It's about like a lot of the superheroes that we nor- that normally don't get featured in the first three issues, and then the last issue is just about the the ones we know the most. Mm-hmm. 
I love a good character story. I love a I love nice character development. I love really meaningful conversation and the the, the and this podcast is not about those things. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> you get like cool character moments more so than character like arcs in a, right. in a lot of crossovers. You, you know, in Secret Wars, you get the bit where Frank Castle goes like, they say you can't take him with you, but what am I going to do with all these bullets? And then you never see from him again. So you're like, that's cool. But like, it's not, right. it's like a bit. You get Oracle and adam kind of having a flirt Mm -hmm. but that's like it doesn't go anywhere Mm -hmm. and there's not like a lot of thematic commentary happening with this either like it's not like oh look at this desolate future and all of the ways that human beings have to change to save the future it's like well that's that that's not really grant morrison's treatise on jla it is very much like a if like i feel like if we all work together like right it's a very it's a very positive view so it's not like it's a moralizing story and um so yeah it's really just look at the creative ways that we can solve this problem and work together and good triumphs over evil which is what you want from a superhero comic mm-hmm. like that that's what most people are looking for from a superhero comic so it it, it triumphs in that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay well do we want to triumphantly answer some funer questions yes let us triumph We have a ton. This is a very popular event. So we got gobs of questions. Absolute gobs. Mm-hmm. The first one comes from at Arthur Stacy, who asks if you could visit the 853rd century. Oh, I maybe put 23rd and it was 53rd. You know, it effectively doesn't matter. Would you, what do you think you'd see if you did? I, I thought about this question a lot. Would I want to visit that far in the future? I don't know. Well, I feel like I wouldn't be too sad if things were very bleak there because that's very far in the future. But if things were good, that would be very inspirational to me um, to for assuaging my fears of the future. So that's seeing true. something bad just kind of would confirm what I imagine the future to be. But seeing something good would bring me a lot of hope that I wouldn't have otherwise. That's true. Like, I know that the fu- that, that Earth will eventually not exist. Right. In the future. That is something that I am I have fully accepted. Right. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right. All right. And then at Asimov underscore fangirl asks, hello, which one million version of a hero not presented in the crossover would you have liked to see or read? This is a good question. I want to see the new gods in the 853rd century. Mm. I think that would be cool. I just thought it would have been nice for Huntress to have had a counterpart because they were talking about how, oh, you know, all of us have a counterpart and Huntress is part of the JLA and didn't have a counterpart. Right. It's like the big the big seven had counterparts. Right. Mostly. But like there was this whole bit about why did you choose me? Why am I part of, you know, this? And, you know, just that could have been a really cool moment to have had some sort of future counterpart to confirm yes i'm meant to be here right in the times there's even like a future Catwoman, but there is not a future huntress huntress did not have a title to herself at the time i don't mm. think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. gosh we didn't even talk about starman and how he he literally just did this because he was bored yeah well we do a lot of things when we're bored <laughs> you know create ally yourself with the tyrant son <laughs> All right. At trivia underscore lad asks, do you think the Batman of the 853rd century is sad that Pluto is no longer a planet? I'm going to say no, because he's mostly just sad because his origin story is like so bleak. I almost don't want to talk about it. (laughs) It's like worse than our Batmans. Oh, no. Yeah. But he has a robot sidekick. Again, Robin, the toy wonder. Yes. Who is a clone of his childlike psyche before he had his terrible, like, event happen to him. Okay. Yep, it's fun. At Extremely Jordan asks, what are your thoughts on Robin the Toy Wonder and why are they the bestest sidekick of the 853rd century? I love it. They're a little robot, little robot boy who is literally Batman but happy. It's great. <laughs> it's perfect. I love him. Batman shows up and he literally, he calls him his, his para partner mm-hmm. this the whole time. It's great. He's like, he's, he's very like gee whiz. It's mm-hmm. perfect. It's ideal. I love it. All right. And at Biz Michael asks, I'm interested in a trans reread of it since Morrison came out, but only if you have somebody trans in the room. 
Uh, while I identify as non-binary and genderqueer, I do not identify as trans. So I am uh, going to say we are we don't have a trans person in the room to really address that. I discussed this with um, an, a, with friend of the show, friend of the show, Corey McCurry, who didn't uh, she just didn't think that it had much of a of a trans lens. Mm-hmm. And Corey, Corey, Corey knows her DC brr, like a lot, right? So that was kind of that was like okay, cool. So that All was right. kind of the answer we got. And at Disaster Supreme asks, "What was it like reading one million comics to prepare for this episode?" Uh, I had Boy, to, it was tough. It I was had to hard. start as a baby. A lot of late nights. I had to teach myself how to read early. A lot of coffee. The, these comics weren't even out when I was a baby. <laughs> At Chris L. Glennon asks, coolest member of the Justice Legion. So the Justice Legion, that's the that's the future. Justin Justice, Justice Legion, Legion A. A. There are other Justice Legions, by the way. Justice Legion L is the is the the Legion of superheroes mm-hmm. in the future. Uh but I, I assume they mean A. Um I I like the Superman one the best. Uh, yeah, Superman was pretty cool. I feel like that was the one we got to see explore the powers the most. Sick outfit too like the cool like the different logo cool. yeah oh i loved it it's funny though because that means it's not part of the house of l anymore because you know on my planet it means hope well here it's an s it's neither now <laughs> and at dallas underscore comics asks how do you f- how do you feel like morrison's take on superman and dc 1 million and their eventual take on superman and all-star superman compare do they complement each other so um, a little bit of a spoiler, but it's literally it literally happens in the first issue of All Star Superman. Um, Superman finds out that he is dying because of like too much sun, and he eventually like goes into the sun at the end of it, which is like, oh, yeah. Oh. Um, so it, I I I think it does a lot because it's supposed to be basically almost that Superman goes into the sun and then maybe eventually DC one million happens and he comes out of the sun, maybe. That's my read of All-Star Superman. I love All-Star Superman. It is somehow both episodic and has a nice long arc for the 12 issues that it is. Man. Um, I might I might uh, ask you to read it after we finish the show, because I think it has a lot that you'd like. Man, just just reading comics. Whatever whatever comics. Whatever you, you feel like. Whatever I feel like. Yeah. And uh, at... Eddie underscore piss asks, do you fear that every day we stray further from Superman's light? Depends on which Superman. There's a lot of Supermans out there. This is a Superman who, who... If Superman's in the sun, I don't think we're straying from the sun. I think we're getting a lot of sun. I think <laughs> we're doing Superman. great. A lot of Superman light. I like that he just lives in there for several centuries. What do you think he's doing? What's he doing in there? Oh, no. It, doesn't it say what he's doing? He's he's making Lois. He's... Oh, that's right. He, th- th- like... He makes running metallic naked Lois. Right. He spends forever doing the modifying the genes of somebody from the fifth dimension to make Hey Christy, if I lived forever ever, would you want me to spend my time uh remaking you in uh in a like a naked chrome body? Uh <laughs> using some DNA and in the as long sun? As it's a good body. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was just identical to yours now, but chrome? I'm and I'm not sure. Like, are they metal? Are they just shiny? I've never, I've never been clear on it. Don't think it matters. Right. And then finally, at Kenobi thirteen asks, "What would a Christmas pod episode one million be like?" We had that that little preview uh, there in the in the. I'd cold written open. it. I'd written the cold open by the time this question was asked. It was perfect. <laughs> All right. So that's our Twitter question. So are you ready to head into some accolades? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Christy Rose, hit me with that best line. All right, my best line comes from present-day Batman, who is currently in the future. Uh-huh. And he's talking to the Flash uh-huh. and says, Our enemy is capable of studying, analyzing, planning, and responding at speeds millions of times beyond anything in the 20th century. On the other hand, we have the Flash. <laughs> and- <laughs> that's like that's like the most like batman trying to pump you up right like it's so good batman giving the old coach speech you know it's halftime and we're down by yeah. right it's so good mine is way dumber um the flash says to green lantern before the plan is enacted watch out for uranus dude 
And Green Lantern is just not, he's he's like terrified at that point. So he's like, I'm just not having this. Right. There are several Uranus jokes throughout There's a lot. This. There's a lot of Uranus jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And then what about the greatest hero? I gave it to Huntress for coming up with the plan that is so simple, but it saved the day, which is basically like, if we bury something, it'll still be there. <laughs> um, and I gave it to uh, John Johns. Oh, okay. Which which version? Uh, I guess the it's Mars. the same guy. The it's Mars version. The one who is Mars. The one who is the planet. Um, because I thought... Honestly, that it was John John. I didn't realize it was Huntress's plan to bury the thing. Well, but- I mean, I think Huntress, I think, told John. Oh, okay. And then, but then John had to remember that long. That's a long time to remember something. What if he would have forgotten? Mm-hmm. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he became a planet and hit a thing. <laughs> what, what a dude. <laughs> I thought that was pretty great. Yeah, it is great. I'm not saying it's not. All right. What about the coolest moment? Oh, the reveal that the night fragment is a green lantern ring and the, the reveal is the sun with the green lantern symbol that, on it. That is very cool. Yeah. I I went for a cool art moment uh which was all of the the JLA traveling to the future and the different planets. Yeah, we get that that, cool. that full page that looks kind of like a fun spirally star of them all, you know, flying out and heading to the different planets. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, that's kind of a neat little visualization there. Yeah. All right, Christy, the Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy when villains are being goobs. When they're being goofy, what's up? I gave it to Vandal Savage for ke- continuing to mention Hitler repeatedly. Mine was really similar. I said Vandal Savage is constant name dropping because he just, <laughs> he'll mention like some dude. He'll be like, I held this guy a hit. Ransom a thousand years ago and sold a bunch of crap for this. And it's like, <laughs> no like, one, no one cares, nobody buddy. Cares. <laughs> he's like, Hitler's credited with this, but I said it first. Yeah. Like, and then he's like, during the North African campaign, I gave Hitler giant tanks that he never used. And now I'm going to use them. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, buddy. You're the worst, man. <laughs> yep. <sighs> okay. And next up is our Key of C accolade, where we, uh, readers, if you're unfamiliar with the Key of C accolade, we give this to a moment that we feel would be enhanced by a musical number. Yes. Um, mine was building Solaris, because for some reason, all I could think of was, it was like a we built this city sort of thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I gave mine to when the Atom got super tiny and went inside of Oracle to go and fight the virus. Because it seemed like a really fun, like, magic school bus kind of moment. (laughs) (laughs) With the frizz? No way! (laughs) Right? It seemed like it was really fun. And I was super bummed out that nothing really seemed to actually come from it. No, well, it was he he fixed Oracle and then Oracle could do all the coordinating. Right. Yeah. Right. So but I thought it I thought it would be super cool to see that depicted musical theater where we see like Oracle on one side of the stage and we see, you know, Adam on the other side, like with some really cool lights fighting like little tiny virus particles (laughs) as, you know, we see all of oracle's reactions to this fighting happening in her brain and the hypothalamus like him saving it and her feeling calm again and i just thought it'd be fun it would be fun all right our next accolade is down with this ship this is our favorite ship in this comic it can be friendship it can be romantic i'm shipping our golden chrome here that spent centuries in the sun making her <laughs> like I, I don't understand what's happening with them, but I'm happy for them. Superman will literally spend centuries making a woman instead of going to therapy. <laughs> what ship would you go down with? This is I. Th- I thought the 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 early team up between the Superman was real cool. I liked the uh, the interaction there. Oh yeah, where they got to yeah. stop the riot and stuff, and yeah, yeah. I do like that they completely disobey the time control or time control the time travel rule of you're not supposed to tell people in the past what's going to happen. Right. He's like, whatever. Well, it kind of seems like 
at the end, do they start to like lose their memories? I don't know. Green Lantern's memories start to go, right? Yeah, I think they start. Yeah, there's something about it that like, it's like they almost can't hold on to it. Right. I thought, I, I, want, I wondered if it was the time travel thing or if it was just like what Superman did was just so mind boggling that it was the like trauma of blasting <laughs> Kyle Rayner's brain. <laughs> He's like, I cannot handle this. That makes sense for Kyle Rayner's brain. <laughs> We love him. He's just not smart. Uh, all right. And last but certainly not least, the goodest hit. For me, it had to be when Superman punched through time. Oh, okay. Superman of the future punched through time. This is, this is, what is with Superman in the DC universe and punching like concepts? <laughs> like Superboy Prime punched like the multiverse and it like made Jason Todd come back to life. Um, mine was, was Superman Prime doing the, the Solaris squish. Oh, okay. Yeah, with the with the with the, the Green Lantern hand just comes out and goes. <laughs> it's pretty. I like that. That was good. All right. Well, thank you, readers, for making it through this episode with us. Uh, if you want to find uh, more of Chris's on the internet, you can find all of our episodes over at comicsxf.com. as well as some of our writing. Next week, we're gonna or next episode. I always do this. I'll do this on the last episode. The next episode, we're going to be covering Avengers Defenders War, which is a very classic one title, one title, one title crossover um, that was in the 70s, I believe. So that'll be interesting. It's going to be earlier than most of the things we look at. Exciting. Especially considering the very first episode that we covered, we said this is the first crossover. This is the earliest thing we're going to cover. Yeah. And then we covered uh, Contest of Champions, which also took place earlier. It's fine. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Um, and if you would like to find uh, us on the internet, we are at Chris's Pod on Twitter and Facebook. You can send us those long form messages at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. If you would like to support us at all in our final days, you can do so at Patreon or Kofi. Links are in the show notes. Uh, if you'd like to review us, uh, we've got still got spots on iTunes, Stitcher. Spotify. Spotify, Google Play. Uh, we love those five-star reviews. We will still read them out on the show until the while the show is still running. So mm-hmm. get them in while you can. And until next time, readers. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.